here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the podcast known as The Other Kind Radio. Talk Radio. Today is June 30th and this is episode 91. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly uh, podcast in which Todd and Jeff ping pong around all things pop culture and deliver to you, the kind listener. My name is Jeff. Todd will be on shortly. We do have a few people today watching us on Twitch. You can watch the show live on Twitch. If you go to twitch.tv forward slash Hectos, all shows are archived and available there if you want to watch them on demand. First time listeners are congratulated on finding us among the plethora of podcasts that are out there. Todd and I are glad you're here. We'd love to hear from you and find out how you heard about The Other Kind Radio. Feel free to do so by emailing us at info at the other kind radio that's info at the other kind radio.com or give us a call at 214-843-1149 we did receive a few calls this past couple of weeks no bites on leaving a message yet i don't know if the the other kind listeners just shy but uh eventually and and, and by the way your anonymity minimity see an enemy will be guaranteed. We'll just play the message so you can include whatever you want. We're not going to like try and identify or anything. If that's the reason why you're being a, just a wee bit shy there. All right. Speaking of which, we encourage all listeners to like, subscribe to the other kind of radio. Most podcast apps have uh, a like or subscribe button. Uh, if you could hit that, if you feel so, uh, so inclined to do, um, that really helps out us because by doing so, you're helping feed the algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show and its gravitational pull. Real quick, want to say hello to Ireland. They've been uh, busy, busy, busy listening to our show the last uh, couple of weeks. So uh, thank you, Ireland. Hello. Welcome to the program. Uh, this episode of The Other Kind Radio is brought to you by our friends at Pub 134. What's that? Pub 134! Pub 134 is located in Maple Village at 90th and Maple, right here in Omaha. Nick and his crew work hard every day to create a safe environment so you can stop by and have an adult beverage. And uh, Nick just told me, I was just talking to him the other day, the Thursday nights, uh, so they got, they, got ba- they got sandbag night on Wednesday, and now... Thursday night's going to be karaoke, karaoke night. So uh, make sure you stop out to uh, Pub 134. Um, say hello. Tell them the other kind listener. <laughs> yeah, tell them the other kind radio sent you. And uh, maybe maybe he'll give you a fist bump or whatever's uh, appropriate these days. All right. On this week's show, Jeff's Judgment, Last of Us Part 2. Todd's take on HBO Max and and its situation with Gone with the Wind. Um, we've got stories. The Doctor is out. Also, how to get the number one movie in America with theaters closed. And getting primed about watch parties. Uh, in the center stage area, 
we're going to talk about a pretty good show that just uh, premiered on HBO Max called Perry Mason. I want to see how I'm doing on time here. Four minutes. I cut it in half. Yes. Now let's go ahead and get to the real, uh, real talent of the show. Let's welcome on my podcast partner. He is a family generator, movie maker, guitar, and drum player, book author, dive bar, boombox founder, and all around a renaissance man from his studios in the great state of Texas and delivering the pop culture significance of the number 91. Please welcome Todd. What is up, everyone in Ireland? You know, my family has so many ties to that part of the world that I'm going to right away, I'm going to reach out and say, hey, Jeff gave out that phone number. And this is where I want our first phone number to come from. Because while he was talking, I thought, I wonder if I could find some pop culture based in the Irish culture. So this is why I'm going to challenge you, because I'm telling you, (laughs) there is more pop culture than just you two, Sinead O'Connor, the Coors, Van Morrison, the Cranberries. There is more that came out of Ireland pop culture wise than that so call that number jeff can you give him that number again that number (laughs) that number once again 214-843-1149 it's just a voicemail box maybe i haven't made that clear knowing my my inability sometimes to communicate clearly that's just a voicemail box it's not like i'm going to pick up the phone and talk to you although now i kind of like to make that happen but anyway uh, you just call, I think you hear me say, thank you for calling, uh, the other kind of radio, you know, and then beep and leave your message. Go ahead, Todd. Sorry. I, I what I want from you guys, call me and, and tell me some Irish filmmakers. I know, I think Jim Sheridan is from Ireland. I'm pretty sure of that, but give me some pop culture stuff. Let me dig into it. If you guys are there, let, let's dig into it. Let's find the stuff. Let's talk about what you have yeah. done in the pop culture world. I want to know it. So call that number. I didn't remember it, but you heard Jeff just say it. So call that number and, and leave a message for us. 214-843-11149. Perfect. Moving on to the number 91, because this is today's nine. We are the 91st episode. We are getting close to a hundred. Yeah, we are. Bam. All right. Number <laughs> 91. You can all say it with me. Kids is a natural number following 90 and preceding 92. Nice. In mathematics, the one that stood out to me, it's a triangular number. Do you know what that would be? Jeff? What a triangular number is? Uh-huh. No. Hey, hey, really, as best as I can find out, it's like you look and it's it's the number of it, it, it made into dots, it can form a triangle. So you have one at the top, two, and then you know and the, how it would go and stack one, two, three, four, as far oh. as the rows go. 91 works into that equation. Yay for 91 it's also the Um, year i graduated high school (laughs) is it really yeah i think i graduated i'll have to check on that it never fails that jeff finds some way to make me feel old so thanks so much jeff i really appreciate that because i graduated in 85 (laughs) 91 is a solitaire game where the object is to move cards so the cards total 91 91 is also a Q pop band founded by Jews entertainment in 2014. Boy, I, I really hope that's juice, even though it's J U Z. I, I don't know, unless it's a Mel Brooks type comedy. <laughs> Speaking of which, not to throw us off topic, but I did go back and revisit, uh, blazing saddles recently. 
Oh my God! One oh, of the greatest satires of all time. Fantastic movie, but I mean, it's like even now, it's more head turning as far as like, whoa! Oh, I can't, yeah. I can't believe he said that. It's funny you say that because, uh, and look, we are getting off topic, but uh, I really did a deep, 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 deep dive into HBO Max this week, uh, oh. looking to see what all is in there. And one of the series CNN did, you know, they do these historical series that Tom Hanks produces, and this one was about the movies. And I, for whatever reason, I was stupid and did not record that. So I've been watching it and they touch on uh, blazing saddles and asked, I forget who it was. It said, how asked Mel Brooks, how did you get that made? I mean, and he's like, I don't know. I couldn't, you know, I barely got it made. Then you definitely could get it made mm-hmm. now, but that is a, it's a perfect satire that, that completely, especially with today's stuff, uncomfortably makes us look at the truth of race. Good film. If you've never seen it, Go in there, be ready to be made uncomfortable, but laugh your butt silly. Written by Richard Pryor with Mel Brooks. And not on the AFI Top 100, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I, Maybe too controversial. I don't know if it's too controversial. I think that the funny thing is it should be because you really begin to think about all the things that it influenced after that, from Airplane to the Fairley Brothers to all these kind of things. I probably deserves its place significantly within that list. Um last little bit of trivia richard pryor was supposed to star in it did you know that yeah i, I thought i did hear something about. i can't remember why he didn't though the studio would not insure him because he was known to dally in the chemical arts and they didn't want oh. some guy <laughs> coming to the set stoned so they said nope you can't be in it of course he goes on a few years later to be a massive star yeah all right the number 91 let's move on the internet how how would you think it it, it applies to ninety one to we'll say the year nineteen ninety one any guesses? Um, so I was graduating. I know we had computers in high school, but I don't think we had any kind of internet connectivity. Maybe that was first uh, first uh, like oh no, because modems were out before. I don't know. You tell me. You're, you're really right on there because I was in. Uh, I was in film school in 91 and the very first time that the internet is made available in an unrestricted commercial use and reaches um, a million computers is 1991. I had a roommate who who famously got kicked out of his apartment because he couldn't afford anything, got a tax return and bought a computer instead of paying me and my friend who let him live with us. And if you're listening to this, Hey, I I love you. I don't hold any ill will about that, but that was the first time I ever saw the internet. And I didn't quite understand. He's like, yeah, you go on these message boards. And I'm like, why do I want to go on a message board? Todd, I've got some good news and some bad news. (laughs) Bad news is I can't pay you rent, but the good news is I'm going to show you the, I'm going to show you the future. (laughs) Well, and he did. And I'll give you one guess what within about five minutes, what he showed me, I could get porn. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> He's like, look at this. You can go here. I'm like, well, okay, well, there's a virtue to that, but you still didn't pay rent. Um, also, 1991, Microsoft releases MS-DOS 5.0. Wow. Man, do you remember when that was like, that was a cultural moment when they would release a new operating system? I recently was going through something uh, on the internet. And the Windows 95 was a really big one. 3.1, it was, I don't think people knew enough about a window UI user interface yet. Uh, so I think it was big, but I don't, there wasn't the lines. Yeah. So 95 was like the same thing as, uh, I don't know, when Tickle Me Elmo or anything else came out. 
Um, people were all over it. Those were magical days. I do not, there are elements that I miss and I don't miss. I don't miss working on PCs from back then because it was a little, a little bit of the wild west, but just, just in general, you know, internet explorer, uh, AOL, you got mail, you know, all those familiar little things. Yeah. I was, I was taken back to that and i've always been this way with my wife that if if i want something like to purchase something i'm very rarely just going to say hey i'm just buying this i will and i think this comes from my parents saying earn what you do i will find projects where i'm like hey i'm not going to take our money i'm going to go do this and make this money and i remember that to run one of the versions of a microsoft os you had to upgrade your ram Mm -hmm. from four megs to eight megs or something like that, which is absurd that we were talking megs or something stupid like that. And it was a small amount at that time. So I, I went and played the drums in a, uh, the pit orchestra for Jesus Christ superstar. So Jesus Christ superstar gave me 250 bucks and I went and bought Ram and I got that new operating system. And I was so thrilled. That's awesome. Yeah. That's such weird times. Cause now, you know, you wouldn't even look at it that way. You just go buy a new computer because the cost of Ram is almost equal to, what a computer is these days at least it feels that way right and and, and, and for those kind listeners that are super geeky we're going to get geeky for just a second todd can appreciate this especially just telling a story about getting ram you remember what ram looked like in the little the little uh board that it came on about the size of a twix bar maybe a little fatter but anyway um so the the new trend i shouldn't say new trend what was new to me is most computers now are built with a solid state drive uh, that contains the OS and does the majority of the work. And then you have like a two terabyte uh, regular hard drive to put your games on or whatever. I saw um, on Linus Tech Tips, which uh, on YouTube, Linus Tech Tips, Tech Tips, great show to watch uh, if you're looking to do some stuff with PCs. But anyway, in that same space that we know about a stick of RAM, it was an eight terabyte uh ssd and the ssd is that that stick of ram unbelievable eight terabytes of room on that small little area it's it's pretty amazing how far we've come i was trying to explain to my daughter abby how all that used to be what we talked about yeah yes now you don't even you don't even think about it you just want the latest phone which all that's inclusive in and back then we were talking about the guts of it so it's just it's it's very trippy going back to 91 because i do have a feeling maybe at some point we need to do a whole show about old tech versus new tech i think you and i could have a lot of fun write it down right now and I apologize to the kind listeners and viewers that are seeing me have an allergy attack on cam. I am so sorry, but living here in Texas in, in summer, man, oh man, with, while you were talking, all of a sudden the floodgates opened. Of oh no. Allergies. Yeah. So sorry. I've been wiping my nose while you're talking. I know that's disgusting. Anyway, year 1991 in film. Again, I was in film school then and I was devouring every movie I could. And there were a few that were pretty significant that came out that year. Terminator 2 Judgment Day pretty much changed the landscape of computer animation it was not the first to feature computer animation. Do you know what that first film was, Jeff? Uh, first film to feature commu- uh, computer animation, computer animation, mm-hmm. Tron. No, no. Oh. The first with real computer. Cause I don't believe that what they did with the first to feature, Oh, maybe Tron, Tron had some oh. computer animation, but it, it, it wasn't the first. 
Okay. Well, the first that is written, and I'll have to look, I'm going to look this up as to how it's distinguished, was Young Sherlock Holmes, directed by Barry Levinson. It had famously the uh, stained glass window come down and fight him. And oh. that is the first computer, and maybe it's, that's the first computer animated figure. I'll look into the distinguishment <laughs> between the two. Yeah. Um, also, that year, Hook, Steven Spielberg's take on Peter Pan, which uh, if you ever want to see a bunch of snotty kids from film school, go see a movie and pick it apart and be unfair and ugly. Go see a silly Steven Spielberg movie with them. Also, we have Backdraft by Ron Howard. We have Thumb and Louise by Ridley Scott, perhaps one of the greatest feminist statement films of the 20th century, I think, at least as far as popular entertainment might go. But the film that would come out on Valentine's Day that year and go on to win the Academy Award for Best Picture, in fact, becoming one of the few to sweep the top five awards, being Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Screenplay, and Best Director, Jonathan Demme's The Silence of the Lambs comes out in 91. Wow. Also, yeah, great movie. I, you know, and I, I even was telling Jeff how I was digging into the Criterion Collection version of that. And again, if you are not familiar with that, I am telling you, I've been diving hard into their stuff. Go, 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 go download the Criterion channel uh, on Xbox and other platforms. You will be able to break down movies like you've never thought you could do it before. Great stuff. So just so you know, uh, I'm not the only one trying to make you uh, feel old. Uh, Stay Gold, who is in our chat on Twitch right now, uh, just informed us that in 91, he was nine. (laughs) Well, you know, hey, we all have to have points in in history of what we were. So, dude, I'm just glad you're here with us now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all relative. I refuse to be a guy in my 50s who feels old. I just won't do it. I will be a guy in my 90s who will not feel old. I don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. He lastly, says, let's talk. He says oh, that uh, he says that Hook was a big hit when he was nine. So I'm guessing that he, it was the perfect demographic. Absolutely, and you know, I, I'm sure people that watch this, I, it's the same as that you and I can go and and I'm going to just famously, as always, do jump to Star Wars and we can look at the prequels and go, God, Jar Jar Binks sucks. But to a nine year old, that's kind of a magical character because yeah. it's silly and it's fun and it's exciting. It's all about perspective. I even tried to say that you know. I hook is not Spielberg's best film. He would go on after that to pretty much relaunch his career. Uh, his next couple of films were these little movies known as Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. So, mm. yeah, he might go on to do some significant work. Um, but I remember having the conversations with a couple of friends that I will not name their names. Um, but uh, the, the conversation being, Oh, he's lost his way. He doesn't have that magic anymore. I'm like, Hey, there were magical moments in that. Right. And if you still can touch those magical moments, you got it. You just may not have the material that makes it exciting. Right. So I, I don't, I've watched hook since then. I'm like, yeah, I probably, you know, not one of my favorite films, not ever going to watch it, but it has its virtues. Let's move on to music. Cause I know we have a lot to get on yes. to in 1991. Yeah. Some of the popular acts, you know, we had the, the regulars, Brian Adams was big guns and roses, but this was also the year that grunge hit not pushing aside people like you two, but suddenly you have names like Pearl jam and Nirvana that are jumping out there and changing the landscape of what 
music was. I, you know, right before I went to film school, I'd quit being a musician. And I remember that very end of really pushing hard to be a musician. We were doing very seventies influence stuff. And suddenly we were hearing these kind of grungy acts and we were all like, Oh, they suck. Yeah. But it changed it. And it's, you know, to this day, just a wonderful, wonderful place to go jump in some great music. So that's pretty much 91 across the board. And one more time, you Irish folks, I want to hear from you. Let me know what's going on in pop culture in Ireland. Right. All right. Big cheer for Todd there. Thank you for the relevance of uh, pop culture and the number 91. Let's go ahead and fire up. Oh, yes. The good old projector. And to the uh, other kind radio veteran, everybody knows that means we're getting ready to go into Todd's take on Todd. What's your take on this week? Well, my take on one thing is that I'm looking at the run sheet and I don't want to really ignore one thing. We Do we have a sponsor this week, Jeff? I already talked about... Oh, we did, yes. Uh, uh, Pub 134, uh, karaoke. Karaoke, karaoke. Just wanted to make sure we did that. You, that's right, you did mention that. And you know, Are you I a karaoke a, fan? I get asked a lot if I'll do karaoke since I, I play music. And oh, that's right. I I don't usually do it just because it feels odd to me to go up and have, you know, you stand there with the mic and especially because I inevitably somebody says, we well, go do Springsteen and you know, <laughs> nothing makes me feel weird. Like hearing and I turn around, there's no band behind me. Right. So not, not my gig, but I also understand people dig the crap out of that. I understand how that's fun and entertaining. And here's the thing. You aren't paying a band. It's right. cheap. It is. It is. And people like to get up there. Yeah, you doing uh Springsteen, the main the main issue with that is the hour and a half of hair and makeup and getting on your sticking your ball putting the ball cap in your back pocket. <laughs> well, you know, I said height extensions, but I think he's only about <laughs> three and a half inches taller than me. So not he's not a super big man. Anyway, Todd's take. I, I asked Jeff for yeah. my take this week. Usually he'll say, what are you doing? But it's like, Hey, 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 I want to put this in because there's been a pretty significant thing. Again, digging into HBO max has me very present of mind in this. And that is that HBO for a bit pulled gone with the wind from the service gone with the wind, the famous 1939 best picture winner. My, my wife's favorite film, to an extent, she now has moved on from it. But, you know, a very culturally significant film was the number one grossing film, probably with adjusted ticket prices. I believe it's still the number one grossing film of all time. More people have bought have physically bought tickets to see this film than any other. But it's problematic because it it centers. It's, it's very much Titanic, where it takes a cultural and historical moment and tells a fictitious story around it. Um. The problem with it is that while it does have black people in it, they are obviously slaves or former slaves. As far as I recall, when I see, I don't know that it's immediately addressed that they're former slaves, but they are in, in, you know, they are in, they are servants to the white people and it is never addressed. It's never said it's never spoken of. It's just understood. Now I do think films like this are vastly important. And I think what HBO has done is perfectly right. What HBO did was pull it. And then they found, uh, they, they found a way to get a historian to come on and put a little wrapper around it that says, you're about to watch one of the greatest films, very significant, Mm. very important, but here's what we're, a film made in 1939 does not speak to our audience today. And then they also, I w- when I was flipping through last night, and by the way, Jeff, I'm going to tell you, they've got some films on there. I'm going to make you watch that, that collection of films 
oh my God, there's some beautiful stuff in there. Okay. But I, as I was flipping through, I saw that they had also added um, a, a video of a round table of people speaking about Gone with the Wind. I, as a film fanatic, love this idea that we're going to leave these classic films alone and put them out there. And I love that we're going to put contextual elements around them. I would love to see things like this. You know, let's go get the great filmmakers uh, of of the uh, black community like Ava DuVernay or Spike Lee or people like this to perhaps come on and say, hey, here's where it is. And this is what if we made it today, what I wish they would do with this. Um, I, I would love it if they applied things like this to. Uh, D.W. Griffin's uh, Birth of a Nation, which is a famous landmark narrative film, but is so problematic because it is all but a propaganda film recruiting people for the KKK. It's awful when you look at it, but at the same time, historically, you need to look and go, okay, well, but that's also where we begin to understand this narrative element of film. They could also do this with Song of the South. Disney Plus has famously said, we will not put it out there. Disney also came out this week and said that Splash Mountain at their theme park is being relaunched as the Frog and the Prince uh, ride. And I get that. But what I would love to see, and, and People like Whoopi Goldberg has even have even come out saying, release Song of the South. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about why it's a problem so people can learn from it. I, I, I am calling on all these services. If you have these films that are problematic, don't be afraid of them. Yeah. Say what they are, but let's put people there that can talk and tell people why, hey, I know you want to sing zippity doodah. But do you realize that that's stealing culturally from people that wrote it and, and, and it's white people aping on that idea and stealing it? And, the, you know, and it's also that song, if I recall correctly, is almost exactly lifted from a song written by an uh, African-American. I, I may be incorrect on that. I know there's something along those lines. Talk about this. Mm-hmm. I, so I, long story short, I was thrilled to see HBO pull it. And not just lang- let it languish, but to come right back and say, here it is with its contextual wrapper. Watch it. Let's talk about it. I think um, your take on this week is is one that um, just to navigate can be uh, uh, difficult to do. So first of all, great job doing that. And I, and I agree. I think the I think the line that's difficult there is, you know, you want you don't want to bury history, but you, but to get some historians on and to explain a little bit about going on and the context at which the content is being shown and what it meant at the time is, is really important because there uh, lies education and with education, people are going to know more and, and, and fear less about maybe what they're seeing or the unknown of what they're seeing. Um, and, and and good for HBO because that boy that is not a task uh, as a producer or uh, director or anybody has to deal with that kind of content, you know, of, 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 of trying to provide a solution. Um, and, and and I may go back and and see that. And I'm working on the Criterion Collection this week's been been busy. In fact, I should uh, I failed to mention at the beginning of the show uh, the reason why we weren't uh, on last week was uh, Sunday. Last Sunday was uh, Father's Day. So uh, even though Todd was raring and ready to go, wanted to give uh, you a little time to uh, to relax. I know you uh, um, you know I've been, have been busy with work and everything. So hopefully you had a good Father's Day, and um, that's why we were absent. 
I had a great Father's Day and I'm going to throw one book into that conversation because you mentioned Criterion Collection. I I finally got to see Akira Kurosawa's Roshamon, which is a very famous film about a crime occurring and a lot of people having a different perspective on what occurred. And it's even to this day, people call it the Roshamon effect. I had never seen that. Mm -hmm. And as I watched it, it is about, and this is a very hard topic to discuss. And I believe that film is from the fifties. I could be wrong, but it's about a sexual assault of a, of a woman. And it is problematic from the standpoint of what we think today of how you handle women, because one perspective is that she kind of likes the guy that took advantage of her. And I'm like, where's my contract, my contextual wrapper on this right now. I would give you this. You can then look at Criterion Collection. There's most likely going to be a film historian that says you wouldn't have this today. Right. And I, I just think this kind of discussion is incredibly important to the history of film. I don't, I know that people like again, Ava DuVernay and Spike Lee and these great, great black filmmakers have seen these films. They don't want to take it from anybody else. Let's just talk about it. So let's touch on Holland films that are racially uh, improper. Let's talk about, films that are gender improper. Let's talk about all of them, but let's show them. Right. Hey, I've got a question for you. What's that? Can I borrow your projector for today for my, uh, okay. All right. Thank you, Todd. We'll keep that projector going. And uh, even though it sounded like I had to start again and uh, we'll move on to Jeff's judgment. Um, So I have been, uh, I have been streaming on Twitch uh, and I'm into day five of what uh, has always been a top three game of mine that I've ever played, which is The Last of Us. Uh, came out in 2015, and now here we are with The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, like I said, five days, and I've been streaming at least three to four hours a day. I had one day where I did eight hours of streaming. Um, so the game is long, but um, I'm enjoying it. Now, uh, Todd, when pre-production, I, I told Todd I was going to do that for Jeff's judgment on and he says this is as bad as everybody's reporting, uh, or some reports have been. I have purposely stayed away from anything. I'm completely going into this game blind. Um, but from my perspective, again, it's great storytelling. Uh, they fixed some some game com- um, uh, game elements uh, that have made it flow a little bit easier. However, it is getting a bit long, and as I've explained. Um, on my stream, uh, anytime you play a game like this, you, your character evolves. You get skill points or whatever, and you can kind of start to create the type of character you want. Uh, you know, uh, brute force go in and and you know do do melee damage, or if you're more of a sneaker and you want to sneak around and and do ninja type stuff. Um, so in the course of this game, you do a lot of character building. And then what I felt was like probably halfway through the game, you take over another character and then you start building that character up. And I I have to be honest that my heart sank a little bit when that happened because um, I felt like I was having to start over, um, you know, from the beginning and and build a whole new character. So I'm a couple hours past that. I think I'm getting close to the end. They do a lot of the chapters are are based in different points in time so you know you you'll play a whole section of the game based in a certain time period and then jump to like you know a year or two earlier or three months earlier um you also will play from two different sides of the narrative so you play you'll play a chapter from one perspective and then you'll play the chapter from another perspective so 
uh, other than being a bit long, and I understand everybody complains, you know, for $60, you know, and I'm done in 15 hours, that's or $16 and done in 15 hours, that what that works out monetarily. Uh, but I think they're they're putting putting together a good game, and and once I'm done, um, you know I'll have a, a full review here on the other kind uh, radio. And if you're watching it um, uh, on the stream or playing it yourself, I'd love to hear your feedback about it. The Last of Us uh, Part Two is only available on PlayStation, um, but um, I'm 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 still interested. In, and today I'll be streaming after our broadcast here, and I hope to get done with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and one thing that made me think of you, um, Todd, there are a couple times during the game where your character picks up a guitar mm. and you strum the controller and push the stick in a certain direction and it plays a chord. So you like play the first couple chords and then she went into, um, um, oh, good Lord, uh, Take On Me by AHA. She sings that. A- <laughs> with with okay. uh i like it yeah so uh it's kind of interesting and of course i'm being a goofball with all my sound effects on my my go xlr so you know i'm like doing concert yell outs and stuff like that but um and, and then the weird thing is it's like you'll go fight a whole bunch of zombies and have like this super stressful time and then you'll walk back you'll be back at your base or whatever and you'll walk by your guitar and it'll say you know would you like to practice you know it's like no i don't want to practice <laughs> See, that'd be my problem is I'd pick up my guitar and go, yeah, yeah exactly. All day. So just please tell me this. Yes. When you pick up the guitar, first off, does the game camera show your hand on the fretboard? Yes. Does it look like you're actually forming a chord when you do it? Yes. And when you pick it up, you tune it. Oh, okay, good. So, so one of my biggest pet peeves and is just seeing a film where they don't even take the time. Right. Hey, this is how you form a chord. But here's it, most most cuts in film like that are going to be maybe you might stay there for ten seconds. And and most songs, if you just teach them, here's how you make a D and do your hand like this. And by the way, out of that, maybe you go to a G and you just right. All you would have to do is teach them two things. Or this is the biggest cheat in the whole world. Here's a bar chord, which you just slide your hand up and down. Then even teach them that. So thank you, whoever created that and said. We probably, for the musicians of the world, should teach right. the, have the character look like they're making a chord. They actually even use a capo. Um, really? At one point, yeah. Okay. Look I'm at you. You're going to play the game just for the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about the adventure around. I, I mean, just five, to get to the guitar part. Five hours into The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, well, have you gotten to the part where she's turned into a zombie? And that's a complete non-spoiler. I'm making a joke. You're like, no, I'm still playing guitar back at the base. Oh, okay, cool. Now, speaking of this uh, game, and I, and I did read negative reviews, and I, I don't go out seeking negative reviews for things that Jeff likes. It's that whenever <laughs> I, I know Jeff and I know he likes something, I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, just because, and I say this lovingly towards my friend, if things go wrong, I know how quickly he'll be like, nope, I'm out on it. Right. And I was hoping for your sake, because I knew you loved that first game. I was hoping this was not that bad. Oh, I'm going to finish it. And that's kind of the nice thing about streaming on Twitch is I've, I've got a commitment now to, okay. you know, followers and everybody else that I've got to finish the game. If I just, you know, if I just lay out on it, then, uh, right. yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and move on. We'll take that projector and we'll take it away. Thank you, Todd, for letting me borrow your projector for Jeff's judgment on. Uh, let's go ahead and move into what we call the green room. And... Um, 
we're going to go through uh, some headlines. We may edit this a little bit because I want to stay. I want to make sure we stay on time, and um, we have a new show on HBO Max to talk about. Um, but let's go ahead and go into what probably was the biggest headline from this this last week. And I'll and I'll I'll explain it to people that are not familiar with Twitch um, or what Twitch is. So real quick for the kind listener that may not be aware of what Twitch is or what any of that is, here is your uh, Jeff's. Uh, what, what do you call me? I'm the the minimalist. I can minim- minimalize anything. Minimalistic Jeff. Yes. So minimalistic Jeff is going to put on his minimalistic hat and basically tell you that Twitch is a streaming service where you can watch people play video games. Now, usually what follows after I say that is people going, why the heck would I wanna watch people play video games? We'll save that for another show, but just know that there are millions of eyeballs that go to Twitch and watch um, these uh, personalities play different video games. One of the most um, well-known and successful personalities is a gentleman uh, uh, his channel uh, title or I guess his name is Dr. Disrespect I'm looking at a picture of him right now this gentleman has of course some headphones on he has like kind of these wraparound sunglasses um, a a very um, uh, Magnum PI type mustache usually wears some type of what looks like to be body armor um, and has this persona on Twitch of, uh, in fact, his uh, MO is violent speed and momentum, and he plays games like Call of Duty and PUBG and everything. So it's a very machismo person persona that's on Twitch. He has won Streamer of the Year two years and is, you know, made it. He is the Tom Brady, you know, um, I'm trying to think about music, um, I don't want to say Tom Brady because I don't want to compare their personalities, but he's he's a superstar. Basically, people pay uh, a lot of money and tip him a lot of money to watch his streams. Well, abruptly, uh, abruptly, um, in his stream last week, uh, he ended his stream and it came out shortly thereafter that he has been banned from Twitch and can no longer stream on the platform. Now, the interesting piece of information here is um, Twitch, who just has a basic statement, says, and I'm quoting them, as is our process, we take appropriate action when we have evidence that a streamer has acted in violation of our community guidelines or terms of service. These apply to all streamers regardless of status or prominence in the community. So they're not saying why, and they generally don't. Um, and Dr. Disrespect tweeted a uh, short time later, uh, Twitch has not, quote, Twitch has not notified, notified me on the specific reason be- behind their decision. Firm handshakes to all support during this difficult time, end quote. So he's banned from Twitch and doesn't know why. Uh, I think it worth mentioning that about two or three months ago, he was banned from Twitch for two weeks because he was doing a live stream at CES 
or or whatever, yeah, or E3, one of the big convention trade shows. He was live streaming on the exhibit floor and walked into a bathroom where people were going to the bathroom. And there was a little kid at the urinal and broadcast that live. And so got him banned. Now, I bring all this up because there is right now a culture uh, that people are calling the cancel culture. Um, I'm reading off of an article uh, on Forbes uh, by Eric Kane that basically this past week and continuing this week, all of the major social media outlets are updating and starting to take action on this uh, terms of service uh, and the, you know, the agreement to not sexually harass, promote violence and everything else on these type of um, social media outlets. Uh, Trump's Twitch channel has been suspended. Um, and I think on in um, Reddit, a number of channels have been shut down that have promoted maybe not the best things. Uh, so it's an interesting and, and we'll try and keep everybody updated, but it's, it's, I thought it worth mentioning because doc is one of the first pioneers to become a superstar when it comes to the Twitch streaming and, um, personalities on there. And, and it's interesting to see how quickly Twitch, um, can turn ban you and doesn't necessarily have to make it public as to why. So everybody's kind of minding their P's and Q's right now when it comes to streaming on the internet. I find this whole conversation incredibly interesting because I, I actually was talking with my daughter, Abby, about some of this, not Dr. Disrespect. Right. You're telling me about this today was news to me. But there have been a number of YouTubers and different people who have been banned also because of past racist comments, past sexual imp uh, improprieties. Here's the interesting thing to me. It's almost it's almost like whenever you and I were younger and people had the the comment about, Hey, if I bought Metallica's album, I can put it up on Napster and share it with whoever I want. Right. Well, technically no, you can't right? because there are laws that prohibit you from taking that and giving it to other people for free. Now, of course, at that time there was the weird squishy element of, yeah, but I can make a mixtape with them on there and give it to people. Right. That conversation gets weird. This one gets weird too, because, Hey, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of putting it together, but I'm making my own YouTube or whatever channel and I'm going to put my personality in there. And if I want to go into the bathroom, I can sure. But you can also get banned because there are laws and things like that, where they're going to protect other people as well as uh, Abby and I were talking about these people that are losing these massive revenues because there'll be people that come out. You don't understand. This is my livelihood. Well, Hey, if I go do things that are improper at my job, I get fired too. Right. And you have suddenly, how do these people make money? They generate ad revenue. Advertisers yes. don't want to be associated with you if you're going to do improper things. So I, God, that's so weird. I've had so many conversations around all this here lately, but this idea of broadcasting self mm -hmm. does not excuse you from the laws and the ideas of what are wrapped around that. And I I'm, I'm actually very proud of social media for stepping up and going, Oh, it's time for us to mature much like the music industry eventually had to say, okay, well, we're going to stream music. You have to pay for a service. They are having to find their way. And I think we're really at a point where we may not ever know what, why some of these people are banned or pushed aside, but it's going to become pretty apparent pretty quickly 
that you better behave the way they say you should. And you're suddenly going to have people that are these YouTubers that are these, these people on, on platforms like this, like Twitch that almost have to get a lawyer inserted right away to say, or, or have somebody legal with them saying, you can't go in that bathroom, you know, yeah. a team that's you, you need that. You know, and I've, I've been watching Twitch and, and uh, checking out some of the channels that are discussing this. And a lot of it, they've said, you know, that Twitch is a little bit like the Wild West. And I agree with that. I think that this is kind of unclaimed territory when it comes to, like you said so well, broadcasting self, right? So back in back back in 91, when Stay Gold was nine and Todd and I were older... Um, you know, the main way of, of, of getting out and, and, and broadcasting was, of course, the the radio, which you had to get an, uh, a license from the FCC. And there was very strict rules about what you couldn't say. So along comes the Internet and then come podcasts and everything else. Now, the now the much like cable, the consumer can pick and choose what they watch and when they want to turn it off. So, you know, one of the areas on Twitch is, I mean, our channel, Hectos, which you're watching right now, is marked as a mature because we sometimes will cuss or whatever. I don't want to get in trouble for that. But, you know, there are people that kind of take that to extreme and say some really, you know, there's it's one thing, you know, to say or, you know, hey, take a look at my, you know, those those are those are a little different. But there are some some streamers out there that get pretty hardcore, kind of like Dr. Disrespect. So, um I agree with you. I think that uh, I think the whole social media and we had Facebook that had a bunch of um, advertisers leave like big names like Verizon, Ben and Jerry's, North Face, uh, Starbucks now, the Starbucks. I mean, I read an article where it said that uh, uh, Mr. Facebook himself has lost, you know, billions of dollars, upwards close to 10 billion dollars because of these and and I, and I I'm with you Todd I say good because well not good that he lost the money but good for social media to start drawing that line because I think for too long people have been taking advantage of um you know their their reluctance to enforce some of the terms of service and stuff like that so We'll keep an eye on what's going on with Dr. Disrespect. Um, you know, obviously he's a, yeah, I was just gonna say, obviously he's a father, he's got a wife, he's got a kid. You know, I, I don't want horrible things to happen to him. Uh, obviously you can't violate the terms of service, but we'll see what's going on. I think Todd has a thought to share with us on well, that as well. And, and I just wanted to, before you completely wrap it up, and I'm so glad you said what you said about his family, you know, yeah. look, the other conversation I ended up having was with my sister-in-law where she talked about, you know, the sharing of, and this really gets into hardcore stuff, but the sharing of George Floyd footage with the, the salt on him, yeah. she almost thinks that that shouldn't be allowed. And I was like, okay, you can't get to that point because these platforms need to be there. You can't, you know, her comment was you need to rely on the police to release that footage. Well, if I rely on them to release it, they're never going to release it because they become liable. Right. So just like with Dr. Dr. District, I don't want him losing his livelihood because apparently he's found his niche. He has found an audience that loves him. Yeah. But your brother, you got to adhere to the rules. Yeah. Uh, I've been in the workforce for a long time and look, I've made mistakes before and I've paid for them, but I've learned and I've moved on. So I don't want to get to the point where we're suppressing the ability to immediately put footage of police assaults or something that is news that somebody observes. But I also want to get to the point where we all grow up a little bit and understand that if suddenly we're a personality in this film yourself culture, we still would have to go, okay, that seems like it'd be fun, but it could become an issue for everybody else. So I think that you're just seeing social media being pushed together and figuring themselves out. 
it'll be interesting to see a, a year from now um yeah. you know where we're at with this and what happens um so uh that's uh that's our first story there on dr disrespect and uh what's going on with twitch um the next one and then we'll jump into center we'll go to head to the center stage and jump into our main uh focus uh this i saw this headline and it just Im- immediately made me think of of uh of todd uh it's off of a website called patch.com um and the ti- and the the headline is how a filmmaker got the number one movie in america during a pandemic so as we all know, theaters are closed right now. There are some that are reopening as of the last couple of weeks. Uh, this story actually came to us I'm a little bit behind here, June 19th of this year. Uh, and uh, the article is writ- written by Lisa Finn, who uh, who's a staff member there at Patch. And I'm just going to kind of read a little bit of the article here. West Hampton Beach, New York, an enterprising young Long Island filmmaker had the number one movie in America last week, despite theaters being closed due to the coronavirus pandemic. And the story of how he did it is just a reminder that happily ever after endings don't always happen just on the silver screen. Uh, Christian Nielsen of West Hampton Beach posted on Facebook this week. He had about an idea about so brilliant, it might well just be a good plot for a movie. Want to hear something absurd? He wrote last week. I had the number one movie in America. So last month. Nielsen, uh, he and YouTuber Eric Tabak were chatting about how movie theaters across the country were closed due to the pandemic. Basically, these two get the idea that if they were to rent a theater and buy up all the seats, uh, they'd have a good chance. uh, They could keep all the money from the ticket sales, so to speak, uh, and have the number one movie in America. So that's exactly what they did. Um they basically have a film they put out uh, that focuses on some YouTubers and everything. And um, the website Box Office Mojo, uh, which is widely recognized, uh, had them at number one film for that week. Um, so I, when I read something like that, I, of course, uh, think of you, Todd, because you, you have such a, a great uh, knowledge of film and, and uh, kind of how that industry works. What do you think? Is this genius or just a joke? I think it's genius. I think this goes, I, I will guarantee you, I will put money on it and I don't have a lot to put, but I will put some money on it that they end up getting. Once everything clears up and productions can begin again, they'll end up getting somebody to back them and give them money for at least an indie film, because this goes along that, that that's a stroke of brilliance that goes along the lines of what Blair Witch did all those years ago, let's make a found footage. And then let's do this weird thing on the internet where we start telling people this footage has been found right. and they're going to put it together. That was a genius marketing campaign. This is not that far off. You know what? It's, it's a little bit more on the nose. They aren't doing anything centered around the story, but they're going, um, no one's going, we could rent that. And if we buy it all, technically we're the winner. <laughs> I should mention at the same time, the movie title is called unsubscribe. And uh, it is available on Vimeo, um, and it is a horror film that was made over Zoom. So there you go. I'm uh, looking at a photo from it right now, and that's another thing that's just genius about that. Yeah. So, I mean, because it's one thing to say, uh, hey, you know, I had the number one film in America in theaters, um, you know, this past week. And like you said, uh, that kind of forward thinking 
uh, should get them uh, some space when it comes to some space and some attention if they need to uh, have other projects that they uh, want to do work on. It was so weird that you brought this up today because I was just, my wife was home sick yesterday, oh. but she had a little sinus drainage. Um, and she was watching some cooking show that she likes. And she's like, Oh, you're going to love this. Come look. Well, all, you know, it wasn't anything. That sounds so snotty. It wasn't anything new to me, but they had basically <laughs> done a zoom show of sorts and you could tell they'd edited it together. And it's a, each of the hosts of it. It's like a morning show about cooking had done their own segment. And if you looked, what she, what became exciting for her was she could see the GoPros they positioned around. Oh yeah. She's like, and then, and then the main shots were on iPhones. Some, you know, a family uh -huh. member shooting them. And I even said to her at that point, I said, at what point is somebody going to make a movie with this? Mm -hmm. it, 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 there's no reason that you can't make something about zoom or on zoom about a relationship or a situation. So here right. you send this today. And I'm like, well, damn, somebody already did it. So that's good. Kudos to them. Yeah, that is good. We'll give them a, a big tip of the cap there. I do want to mention real quickly, because my dad sent me this, and I, I think it's worth mentioning, and then we'll jump into Perry Mason. Uh, are you familiar with who Milton Glazer is? I know that name. Why do I know that? He is probably one of the biggest names when it comes to pop culture. Uh, for kind listeners that are out there, if anybody's ever been to New York or seen a movie um that uh, takes place in new york you're more than likely going to see a shopping bag or a t-shirt that says i heart ny oh yeah that's right and this is the gentleman that created that logo he also is known for uh one of bob dylan's um album covers that he designed uh again i don't want to um I don't want to not pay respects, and, and I know we're short on time, but for those kind of listeners, if you want a little homework assignment uh, for this next week, just go out there, do a search for um, Milton Glaser. Um, he, and the whole reason why I bring this up is he uh, just passed away, uh, 91 years of age, but was just on it when it came to a number of things that he did. He's... Uh, been an, uh, a huge contributor to pop culture and um, has done a lot of really good things and in, uh, in New York and again it's I don't want to I don't want to be minimalist Jeff here and and say the only thing he really contributed was that that lo famous logo that you've seen I think there's even a shot of John Lennon in an I Heart New York t-shirt uh, that's pretty pretty famous and pretty iconic uh -huh. uh, Milton Glazer uh, no longer with us 91 uh check him out todd do you have any thoughts on him or anything you want to say no i, I was glad you cleared that up for okay. me that um i, I it, you said that name and i was like and i'm sure that i read those articles recently that's why it was in my mind and how old was he when he passed 91 so oh. here it is episode 91 and he passes in 91 okay well there's our spooky moment wow for the thanks okay. jeff thanks for scaring me <laughs> didn't even think about that way to go yeah way to go way to bring the show down all right folks you've been hanging out with us for uh, 54 minutes now so uh, maybe a little bit less than that because i got a little uh little run time on this but anyway um let's go ahead and get to center stage something that i'm excited about todd and i are both seen uh on hbo max which again if you subscribe to hbo on your cable services it'll be there but if you have an on-demand service hbo max basically allows you to watch hbo content uh, is a new show that they have been and Todd if you could be prepping up for the tale of the tape um, that uh, I was excited about because Todd and I do while we differ on many things we have one thing that we both really like and that's film noir in fact I, I don't know if I've shared with Todd that 
I started out with L.A. Confidential, then I ran it, then I got Chinatown, and then, you know, all the good noir films just to get warmed up for this, which comes out. It's uh, on every Sunday evening, I think, 8 p.m. Central comes out, which means it's available online at like 9 p.m. Central. It's called um, Perry Mason, and it's not your parents, Perry Mason. It's dark. It's it's film noir. It's kind of reminds me like the the batman movie that chris nolan did where it was like the dark knight you know it was like a, 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 a iconic character perry mason but this is kind of like the real version of it with the tale of the tape here's todd so this is based upon the character that was created by and i'm probably going to or it's Earl Stanley Gardner wrote the original books of Perry Mason. The, uh, I last night while watching the second episode, I thought, God, I got to know about this. And according to what I can read about these books, Perry Mason is just a defense attorney. Um, according to then IMDB, and I'm, I'm looking at the new Perry Mason show in booming 1932 Los Angeles, a down and out defense attorney takes on the case of a lifetime. They don't present him as a defense attorney, at least yet. No. Right now, he's more of a private detective. But even two episodes in, what's beautiful about this, this series, and it takes those elements of film noir that I think Jeff and I love so much, and that is how fractured people are. They may appear to be one thing on surface, but you don't understand the things beneath. And it's it's why a, a, a movie and, and then especially a book like LA confidential are, I don't know if you could call it anything other than delicious because you just, you take a bite and you're like, Oh, I need more. And when you take the next bite, you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's always one of those where it keeps unfolding itself. Um, this is created by Ron Fitzgerald and Roland Jones, people behind famous shows like weeds, Friday night lights. And, um, uh, they at least had something to do with Boardwalk Empire. I don't know that they created, but they were involved in it. Um, this has a bevy of people that are starring in it that immediately make it interesting. Matthew Reese playing Perry Mason himself. Uh, John Lithgow playing a, a defense attorney that he is associated with. And it just goes on from there. Tatiana Mislani, who was in, oh, which, oh my God, was it Orphan Black? Was that? Did you ever watch that, Jeff? I don't know if I did. <laughs> yes, Orphan Black. I, it, for some reason, Orphan Black and Black Mirror, I, uh, I, it's one of those I will go, she was in Black Mirror. No, Orphan Black. <laughs> she was in Orphan Black, and she famously was a clone in that and played tons of different versions of herself. And she, was, she won the Emmy for it. She was just astonishing. Well, she, In this, she plays a religious uh, leader. And right away, you're like, um, there's something going on here. It is, it is a creepy case. It is a dark case. These are dark characters. But the weird thing about film noir for me is that it can't exist without a romance at its heart. I don't mean romance of, of, of platonic love. I mean, a romantic attitude of there's something more that I need in this world and it's out there and I don't know how to get it, but the darkness is keeping me here. And that's this already two episodes in. Oh my God. I just, last night when it was over, I wanted to go tell my wife about it. Of course she was asleep. So thank you for saying we're talking about this today. <laughs> so let's, uh, you know, cause I'm kind of the film idiot. Um, when you were in film school, did you guys study film noir? Was there a chapter on film noir? And my follow-up is, what is required um, for a film? What what elements, what ingredients does a film have to have to be considered film noir? So, yeah, absolutely. 
I, I cannot imagine any film course that would be offered where film noir is not at least touched. Film noir is a French term for dark film. It's pretty much the, mm. the, the truth of what that means. And really, you can make the argument, <coughs> excuse me, that it was equal parts elements of the way it was photographed as to the way it was told. And these are the hard-boiled detectives uh, that are investigating something that are usually duped into things. There is usually a femme fatale who in some way or another is manipulating a person at its core. The, the postman always rings twice is a prime example of that. The big sleep, uh, double indemnity, Orson Welles touch of evil, all these kind of things were just really twisting against itself. So there is a laundry list of films that fit into the genre, even, you know, things like um, sunset Boulevard hit the, the film noir element. And it doesn't so much have a crime element of investigation but the characters within it are trying to figure out what's going on and it famously starts with a dead body floating in a swimming pool and that dead body is our narrator Th that that voiceover narration blade runner even becomes a film noir of sorts this idea of the world is falling apart and one person at its core has this romantic attitude within them that they can't get past the darkness film noir i i don't know if there will ever be a day that i quit watching those type of films are going, Oh wait, I've never seen that one. Right. All right. So I asked that because I've got a question and I'm again, stretching my film brain Okay. based on some of the elements that you just said would, um, Oh, now I'm not going to remember the name of the film. Good Lord. It's the, it's the one that you and I argued about. Uh Oh, they, that, that, that boils it down to about 300 the, films. The, the best film of all time, number one on a, uh, AFI, is Citizen Kane film noir. I would not call it film noir. It doesn't at its core have, you know, it, 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 it's an essay of a person who allows power and money to corrupt them when the truth is that they need to to go back to a simpler time there. Now I will say this. I don't think that you could probably escape that the photography of Greg Tolan in that film and the influence of Orson Welles storytelling greatly affected what would come after it because you, know, you can, you can go and say that even films like Casablanca mm -hmm. have film more elements, right. especially, you know, guide its core Bogart with a woman coming back. And those are there. I just, to me, they don't fit the classic, this is what the definition of it would got be. It, got it. But their, their influences are there. They just are not that. Just just so we can go through it. Number one, starts with a dead body. Number two, it's a mystery. You're trying to figure out what Rosebud is. And then, like you said, the film, for me, certain shots and the way the narrative's done, especially the scene with all where all the reporters are are in that room and it's that great scene where you can't see any of their faces and they're talking about like well could it be this could it be that what could it be but i agree with you in the end not film noir but very 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 close you know i it's funny because i've been on the brink I, citizen kane is a film that i've seen so many times that i don't feel the need to go back and watch it again however i will then look and it will suddenly be going you need to come watch yes 
need to come watch me. And I think you just tipped me over the edge because the, the shots that actually come to my mind that make me think film noir are whenever the uh, reporter goes and interviews uh, Susan Alexander Kane in the nightclub. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's especially one shot where she's framed off to the left mm-hmm. and she's in a pool of light and he comes up and gets in a phone booth and is an utter silhouette. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that is, you can hundred percent look and say, wow, the people who would go on to make the classic film noirs loved that look of pools of light and whatnot. It, there's even a famous um, artist who is amongst literally amongst my favorite artists, uh, Edward Hopper, who are you familiar with Edward Hopper? No, I'm not. And when you, if, when I tell you this, you will then see how he is considered as an artist to have influenced film noir, the famous painting Nighthawks, which is of a diner setting on a city street with people eating, looking at it right now, that is considered to be one of those elements that also people of that era were looking at and going, Oh, and it's not just the light in the dark. Look how it's framed off cinematically to one side. Mm-hmm. The open street beside it says that there's stuff going on that we don't we don't know at this moment. And then so and then this sorry. this sorry this painting is also the one where people have put in like Elvis and yes it is yeah okay so the other people sitting around the at the diner which I which I think is genius because it's like what what a great little uh, cafe slash night eatery yeah. or whatever to swing by and see these megastars. Go ahead. He, he was he was a fantastic painter that also uh, loved the East Coast and painted a lot of things about that. If you go up to the East Coast, you can actually see some of the houses that he painted. Very cinematic painter, but those things that he brought to film noir, the influences are unmistakable. And I think that just exactly the same, the the photography and things that they created for Citizen Kane absolutely had an influence going forward because then Orson Welles with Joseph Cotton starring Carol Reed's The Third Man, which is considered to be one of the absolute pinnacles of film noir. And its use of photography, there were a lot of people for the longest time that have said that Orson Welles directed that film. He did not. Carol Reed was a great filmmaker. Did Orson Welles maybe have his ear and say, hey, we ought to do this and this and this. Uh But Carol Reed was a great filmmaker. He did that himself. But you, you can begin to see that succession of how this is also why Susan Kane is considered to be such a great film. Right. Look at all the things that could go on to influence. Right. And this is one of the key things. And now we've ruined our review of Perry Mason by going on. That's my fault. I took us down that rabbit no, hole. No, no, no. Um, ruin anything. But, you know, as we jump in the AV time machine and leave Citizen Kane and come back to modern day Perry Mason, I do think, and that's kind of the reason why I brought it up was that's one reason why I like this show so much um, because you know, over time, just like wine or anything else, I, I'm sure that the the people involved with the production and design of this particular project definitely have seen those films and are now able to capitalize. One of the things I really liked was in the initial scene, in the initial episode, episode one, when the when Perry Mason and the cops are in the room where the negotiation happens and the cash is left. The first part of the scene opens and they're riding the trolley car down in San Francisco. And there's a guy on there who's obviously, I wouldn't say obviously, but he's maybe financially uh, strapped. And he's got a newspaper and he's telling all the people on the bus, you know, and there's the window where the parents did this and this and this and this happened. And people are like, oh, and then he holds up the newspaper and then people give him some like some change for telling the story. What I like 
was then we follow the main character into that room and you still see in the shot that trolley car going up and down and every time it does very softly in the background you can hear the guy telling the story um that to me is 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 just fantastically done and executed and and brings a certain amount of atmosphere to the overall message of 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 the show i think you're exactly right i think that from its photography to its writing and to the acting it is just across the board so smart i mean even with the fact that the people the at the center of it is a uh, the murder of a child right the, the people who are cast as the parents uh one of the the woman is from the show that we've talked about ad nauseum she's from glow oh that's uh, right. that's right yeah she plays the wolf girl i i didn't right. put that together thank you i the minute i saw it, i was like uh and i pulled out my phone and god almighty if, if i could go back in time and tell myself don't buy a cell phone because it will make you stop down <laughs> in great movies and tv you want to know who that is right um but yeah, it was her. And then I, I'd have to look up the father right of hand, but he's, he's a character actor. I've seen in tons of things too. Wonderful actors. You're also bringing in, um, Oh God. And I've got it in front of me. I'm going to try and find it. Uh, 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 Robert Patrick, who played the Terminator in T2. Yes. Plays uh, uh, someone. I, w- I don't want to say yeah, who yeah. he is or what he is. He's in there. Uh, we've got just tons of great character actors, which to me is, key to a good film noir is putting these people that can just bring a ton to a teeny tiny role. Yeah. And as this goes along, and I know that you, you I, I don't think this is because of that. It's bad. But no. you watching the most recent episode, man, does that get into some dark, dark territory that I was like, okay, got to watch this over again. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I had to get up at, at six o'clock this morning to, uh, finish producing this show and everything so that's why i fell asleep and and that actually uh, brings up my second point i wanted to ask you about i was talking to nick at pub 134 and he he's a little more pessimistic when it comes to shows like this uh and and he brought up a good point i wanted to ask you about it which was that first episode is so explosive has so many great elements and and really pulls you in from from every shot everything in that whole first episode was really really paid attention to his concern was what what are they going to do to follow it up and so my question to you just uh offhand based on what he said is do you think the second episode has continued to um you know, to keep that pace up, because obviously you've got to have that in your first episode. You can't have your first episode start out, you know, blase, because that's not going to real. It's the hook. It's like a song. You got to get somebody's attention. Well, to 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 break that apart, I'm going to pick on Jeff just a little. Sure. I'm going to go back to Game of Thrones, because when Jeff first watched Game of Thrones, he's like, ah, yeah, it's great. It has these big moments. And then they talk a whole bunch. <laughs> and they just talk. And, we're, and I'm like, but Jeff, that's the Game of Thrones. The the action, the killing is not the game. The Game of Thrones is the maniacal shit at the middle of it. Right. So to me, for me, a good film or TV show like this will have those moments. And you're absolutely right. Let's think of the great films. Citizen Kane is it starts with the death of its central character whispering a word that we need to know what it is. It is that is as bombastic an opening as a shark coming up out of the water with don't 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 or a spaceship going straight across. All those things are here. I'm setting my world, and I think that that he's right. This this opening episode sets its world beautifully, and I think what the second episode does is it lives in its world. Yeah. 
If you just come along, there you go. Imagine this: if if I'm in a symphony, and my symphony starts with a succession of sixteen cymbal crashes, well, that gets your attention, right? If every time I turn around, there's a new thing that everybody's like, okay, stop the cymbals, stop them. And I think that what Perry Mason knows is I need to start with something that's going to be like, oh my god, I've never seen that. And the murder of a child is really there are things that you get to that are touchy yeah yes. jeff and i as we 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 talk about and we've shared this before that we're we're trying to write a screenplay and and i added one element to hey what if this character did this and i, I always bounce things off my wife and when i said what i thought about it, she's like that's disgusting i'd walk out of that movie oh like, okay. well, we went too far hmm. um and, i want to know what that is we'll talk about it later today <laughs> yeah, we will talk about that later um but i think that the murder of a child touches on that element to where yeah. a lot of people are like i'm out and especially this is not it and as though there's a good murder of a child but this is a particularly horrific portrayal of what they've done to a child yeah and it's handled as tastefully as you can make it to still make it as horrific as possible yeah and i think that that was the show's genius because at that point now we're all kind of like whoa they're going to kill kids in this show and so at that point we all feel like ooh. But at the same time, then you give me a character that, hey, I'm broken. All, the reason these characters appeal to all of us is there's there's no one on the face of this earth that at its core, I don't care how narcissistic you may be, does not see the broken parts of ourself. Right. And Perry Mason, we're seeing that. We're seeing he, he's broken. But as we go along, so is everyone else around him. So to Nick, I, I personally think it did what it needed to do. It crashed at 16 symbols at the start. And then it let me hear the soft melodic elements before it showed me the undertone of what is the current of the show. And I think the second episode, I actually think is stronger than the first. Yeah. I remember some elements of it again. And I don't, I don't want to, uh, to ruin it for anybody, but I, I, I like how they start by going, you know, back in his history. All right, folks, uh, we've uh, had your ear for an hour and 13 minutes, and I promised myself that uh, we were going to sh shorten the show this week, and I failed to do so. So, uh, Todd, any my, final words before we... I, uh, my only final word is the actor playing the father is Nate Cordry, who is a great character actor um, you, you, when you see him you'll go oh, I've seen him in la, 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 la. he's one of those kind of people great even the um, uh, the scene from episode two where um, uh, John Lithgow's uh, character goes to the I guess it's like a speakeasy or a club I can't remember the name of the guy that he talks to boy he's an actor that's been around um, he's playing the prosecuting attorney yes I who talking about He's been in a ton of movies and stuff, but you. Here's the other thing I really like, and I'll, I'll end my. First of all, I, I we should we should go ahead and tell everybody, definitely a go for Perry Mason HBO uh, now. Um, is that uh, that particular character? And I think Todd's found him. Uh, looks like he belongs in that time period. Yeah, they, that's a great thing they do. Is they do a wonderful job with the costuming, the photography, costuming, the photography, etc. And. By the way, IMDb frustrates the living snot out of me at times because when new shows come on, they've not ranked characters in order of appearance oh. or, or significance. So he's buried somewhere in here. I'll try to have that by the well, next time Well, he was in, uh, I know he was in um, Brother, Where Out Thou? Yes, he was. And he plays the, D, the disc jockey. 
uh-huh. uh, that that plays the the song. Let me see if I can't find. You'll probably get to it first. What's that? You'll probably find it first because you're looking that way, and it, I'm trying yeah. to look through the Perry Mason. And, and me- meanwhile, the show has now officially shut down. Um, <laughs> anyway. Right. That's another homework assignment for the kind listener. The, the main point being, they've got great characters in there. They've got a lot of actors you'll see. And just like Todd and I right now, you're going to be like, oh, I remember that person from uh, But they, they, they do a good job of these characters looking like they're from that time period. Uh, any other final words, Todd? No, I, I just would implore people that look, we're all going through the thing right now where we're trying to find new content. Um, this is one of those great examples of you will be able to find something and you will be able to dig into something. This will make you want to see more of this. And trust me, if you, if you like this and you like film noir, then call that number, leave a voicemail. We'll make sure to leave recommendations of yeah. great film noir films out there for you. Cause there are a ton. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Todd. All right, let's go. Oh, we got an error. I can't play that. Let's see. Uh, but why did I get an hour? All right, well, let's go ahead and just, fake it because that's what we're really good at we can do that and uh you'll hear kind of the intro of the show here but uh what i want to do real quick before we sign off is uh just say a thank you i've got uh our top cities uh from the past 30 days and uh they're kind of interesting so of course hello omaha nebraska dublin ireland Kissimmee, florida reading uk sheffield uk pittsburgh ashburn Harleysville and Mountain View, California, Vancouver in there as well. Thank you all for following, listening and liking the show. And uh, like Todd said, stay safe, be kind. And as always, remember, we are the other kind radio. The other kind radio. The other kind radio. The other kind of radio.